What is up, Substance? Make some noise wherever you are at. You made it to church. I don't know about you, but I love what David said in the Psalms. I was glad when they said to me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Isn't it good to be in church today? There's nothing like the presence of God with the people of God and the word of God. So my name is Carolyn Haas, if we have not met, and I am so excited. We're gonna jump into God's word together today. As you know, we are in week four of a sermon series called Finding Peace. And our heart for this series is that we wanna give you an opportunity to like, what is the peace that God has for you? In week one, we talked about Jesus is our peace. He's got peace of heart and peace of mind for you. And then we talked about peace in your parenting. How many of you know, with kids, you gotta find God's peace. And what does that look like? And then last week, we talked about finances. What is financial peace? Is it even possible? What does that look like? How do we honor God with our finances? And then today, drum roll please, we're gonna be talking about how to be led forth in peace. How to be led forth in peace. I want, with all the decisions that we have in our lives, how do we discern God's will? And how do we make sure he is leading us? So we're gonna start with the scripture, Isaiah 55, 12. I love this. It says, you will go out in joy and you will be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. I mean, that just sounds like a musical. Like, how fun is that? You know what I mean? Like, mountains and hills bursting into song, trees clapping their hands. Like, how fun. That's God's design for us, is that when we make decisions, when we're discerning God's will, that we go out in joy and that we are led forth in peace. So often, in the decisions that we have, we we actually go out in fear and in uncertainty and in confusion, and we're just not sure. And so today, I'm gonna to talk about how does God lead us forth in peace. So I wanna tell the story of when Peter and I were in Wisconsin, it was before we planted this church, we pastored there for nine years. So we were youth pastors for three years, and then we were senior pastors for six years. And the last year that we were there, Peter just kept sensing from the Holy Spirit, change change, transition, like I'm moving you, I'm doing something new, there's something new. And of course, I hate change, I don't want, ever wanna change, do you know what I mean? So I didn't like you know, hearing that this is what maybe he's hearing from the Lord, but as Peter kept praying, he just kept getting like, lay it down, like let go of the church, move to the Twin Cities, move to Minnesota, and plant a church, even he got like the suburb of Roseville, like where all the college students are, like it was that specific. And I'm telling you, it, it felt crazy, because it was like, I don't know if you know this, but church planting has like less than 1% survive 10 years. So it's not like it's the exciting career choice, right? And so, you know, um, but he couldn't shake it. And so what I love what he did is he brought me in into the, the discerning process. It was like, Carolyn, I can't shake this. I'm sensing this. Let's pray and fast together. And that's what we did. We went into, we didn't talk to anyone about it. We just went into a season of prayer and fasting together because we wanted God to speak clearly. We knew a decision like this would have massive implications on our family. We had two kids at the time. We knew this would have massive implications on our parents and grandparents. We knew this would have massive implications on the church family. Like we loved the congregation and we did not want to traumatize them with a church transition. And so we wanted God to speak clearly. We did not want it to be confusing. And here's the other thing. We didn't want our emotions or our desires or our fears to get in the way of hearing God's voice. So here we are, we're fasting, we're praying. 
And all of a sudden, this woman named Debbie comes up to me in the church, and she's like, Carolyn, I had the craziest dream about you and Peter. I dreamt that you literally moved to Minnesota, planted a church. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, like in Roseville, Minnesota, like, ha, ha, ha. Like, I know you would never do that because you love it here, and you would never leave like no one ever left Marshfield, Wisconsin. Like it was that kind of town, right? And so she's like, you would never leave. But she's like, but you know, my daughter, she's a college student there and she doesn't have a church. So I just think that's why I had that dream. Ha ha ha. You know, and I'm like, ha ha ha. You know, like, what do you do with that? You know, you're just like, oh my word. You know, what are the odds? It's not like Debbie and I were BFFs. Like we barely talked, do you know what I mean? So all of a sudden, this random woman has a dream about a random couple moving to a different state, a different city to plant a church. Like. It seemed like it was clear. Here's what's crazy. This happened three more times. And you know why it actually happened three more times? Because I'm that feisty. I actually asked God, I'm like, God, if you're gonna really move, you have to speak to three other people and you have to make it super clear. It has to be people I trust, that I know are not weird, that can actually hear from the Lord. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're gonna make it clear. We're not gonna do this if you don't make it clear. And so throughout our prayer and fasting, God spoke to three other people, an email here, another dream here. And it was just super clear. Now, why did that matter? Because when circumstances got tough, and they did, and they will, it made all the difference to know we were in the center of God's will. We didn't look back and wonder, like, did we miss it? We should never have left. What were we thinking? Like, it was a mistake. I mean, listen, the Israelites turned back and wished for Egypt. Lot's wife turned back and wished for Sodom and Gomorrah. Like, that was not us. We were so clear that God was leading us that it didn't matter how difficult it was. We knew, God, if you're in this, it doesn't matter how difficult it is because you're with us. And when you're with us, that means you provide for us. Listen, I'm fine with life being difficult as long as I know God is in it. And it's not some self-imposed foolishness. How many of you know there is necessary suffering and then there's unnecessary suffering? There is necessary pain and then there's unnecessary pain. And sometimes we make bad decisions, and as a result, we experience unnecessary pain. And so if you're here today in life, you're, you're in this decision, you're in a season where you need to make some decisions, and it just feels confusing, it feels uncertain, you're not sure what God's doing right now with you, or your life, or your job, or your finances, or your kids, I want to help you. I want to help you know how to sense God correctly in your current season. And so before we dive into our scriptures today, one of the diagrams I want to show you is something that we bring up like multiple times every year at Substance because it's such a critical diagram. It's called the diagram of discernment. And so what I love about it is this diagram of discernment is three ways that God speaks. Okay, so he speaks through his word is the thing, the plan, the goal, the decision that we're trusting God for, that we're trying to discern. Is it in line with scripture, unchanging wisdom, okay? This doesn't change. Culture changes, opinions change, God's word doesn't change. It actually is gonna be in heaven and it's gonna be the same Bible in heaven. Like it doesn't change, that's what I love about it, okay? So we got unchanging wisdom, then we've got his church. What do my spiritual mentors and friends think? What is the situationalism? Okay, we've looked at scripture, now what is godly mentors? And let me just say godly mentors. Even when it comes to your finances, your parenting, your marriage, you're seeing a counselor or a therapist, make sure they're godly. Make sure they're planted in a healthy, life-giving church, okay? Because there's some weird wisdom out there. You want to make sure it's spiritual, life-giving, godly mentors, okay? And then, once you've discerned this, what is God's spirit saying? Between two good ideas, God, 
What is your idea? What doors are you opening? What doors are you closing? What's the supernatural wisdom that we hear through prophetic prayer? I love this. True discernment can only come from living in the center here, all right, where we've got God's word, his church, and his spirit. So if God is telling you to steal your neighbor's internet, chances are God's not gonna bless that, right? Because his word says do not steal. Like it's never okay to steal. So like that's why we've gotta know scripture, right? And some of you didn't know that. Well, now you know scripture, do not steal, okay? Um, or some of you, I hear this one a lot, like weekly, and it's, you know, God has just given me a peace about having sex with my boyfriend and girlfriend. You know, like, yeah, I've got peace. No, you don't have peace, that's called hormones. Do you know what I mean? And I know it's easy to confuse the two. That's why you need God's word. God's word is super clear about how we are to surrender our sexuality to him. Listen, Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. Listen, you can actually do whatever you want, but you're gonna die, and you're gonna be miserable, and it's not gonna work well for you. This book is not meant to control you. Did you know that this book is meant to bring healing? It's meant to protect you. It's meant to give you life. It's meant to correct you, to strengthen you. This book is living and active, and God gave it to us as an operating manual for how we are supposed to live. And it's okay if you don't know how you're supposed to live, but that's why we read God's word, and that's why we get into small groups, so we can talk to other people about his word. So you've gotta know God's word, but that's then where we need godly mentors to even help us process scripture together. Listen, there are certain situations in life where let's say you wanna change jobs. It can be complicated. Like you know you should change a job. It, it's in line with scripture. Like you're not deciding to become a thief or a robber or a criminal, right? Okay, so it's you know, line up with scripture. But how, when should you change a job? And that's where a godly mentor can come in and say, well, actually, let's look at your budget. Let's look at your finances. Let's not change jobs until you um, have six months of your salary and savings. How about let's not change jobs till you have another job? Or, you know, how about if you're gonna have that change, how about don't go up to your boss and just say, I hate you in the middle of a staff meeting. Like, that's probably not a good idea, right? Okay, so wisdom from mentors. The other thing I love is I just want to say to you, when you're meeting with a godly mentor, so many of us meet with mentors and we just want to hear what we want to hear. We just want them to affirm and confirm what we already decided. So I just would encourage you, when you meet with a mentor, ask for impartation, not a confirmation. Like, don't throw a fit when they disagree with you and don't switch mentors until you find someone who agrees with you. So often, I just feel like, oh, like I'll meet with people and they don't actually want to hear what I have to say. They've already pre-made up their mind and they've made a decision and they just want me to bless it. They just want like the papal blessing. And it's like, you know what? I'm, you already decided. When you meet with a mentor, you don't need to say, what am I not seeing? What are my blind spots? What do I not know? Like give me perspective, correct me. Like, I dare you to say that to a godly mentor that you trust. So listen, we've got to go to mentors. And then the third we're talking about here his word, his church, his mentors, his spirit. We seek the Lord for prophetic prayer. Between the good ideas, what's the God idea? Now, I think it's important that we've got to be honest. All of us have a natural preference here. Like all of us, like maybe we prefer to read our Bible, but we don't want to wait upon the Lord in prayer. Or maybe we love prayer, but man, I don't do small groups. I don't do mentors. Nope, nope, nope. I don't do people. They've hurt me. I just don't do that. 
No, 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 you gotta do it all. We, we, or, listen, it's okay to have a preference, but it's not okay to seek one to the exclusion of others. We need all three active in our life as we discern God's will. Because I've seen people get weird and people even get spiritually abusive with it. Like I've seen some really weird prophetic people. They're spooky all the time. Like they're asking God which donut they should eat. You know what I mean? You're like, maybe probably neither because, you know, your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. So maybe let's not do that, right? Okay. Um, but listen, people get weird. They, we call it the God card. You know, like, well, God just told me I don't have to apologize. No, actually scripture says humble yourself, you know, live at peace with people, you know, or God just told me I don't need a budget. And then it's super awkward. You've been in small groups like that where people tell you God told me and then you don't know how to challenge them. You don't know how to have the conversation because you're like, am I challenging God? Am I challenging what you heard from God? Like, listen, I, you are gonna hear from the Lord, but we hear from the Lord and we do it through a discernment process of his word, his church and his spirit. I hear this all the time in other extremes. I hear, I don't actually need to attend church or small groups as long as I'm reading my Bible. In fact, there's a lot of people in the Twin Cities who call themselves Christians and they do not go to church. That's actually not biblical. Planted in the house of the Lord, you will, you will thrive, right? Hebrews talks about do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Like you cannot be an isolated Christian all by yourself, you and Jesus reading your Bible. Like it does, I mean you can, but you're not gonna walk through healing. You're not gonna walk through strength. You're not gonna experience miracles in your life. You are isolated and alone. Listen, and then there's others of you who are like, you know, I'm just wired to be very logical and I grew up in Minnesota and I also grew up Lutheran and so I just don't like the Holy Spirit thingy. Like I'm open to you hearing from the Holy Spirit, Carolyn, but me, nope, I'm logical. And you actually are slightly arrogant about your intellect and your logic. I'm just telling you, guess what? You need the supernatural too. God wants to speak to you, God's will. And some of you, the reason why you avoid it is because you've actually been abused by it. So I'm here to talk to you, like, listen, we're talking about submission with the prophetic, not dictation with the prophetic. The prophetic is meant to encourage and build, not boss people around and be weird and spooky, okay? God's, discerning God's will is a process, but it cannot be done in isolation. We've gotta know God's word, We've gotta be planted and connected in his church and we've gotta have a relationship with his spirit. You know, years ago there was this couple in our church in Wisconsin, incredible leaders in our church. He had just gotten promoted to be one of the worship leaders on our, and it was just, he was an amazing worship leader. And then he, um, they, their business was just exploding and they had a construction company and it was just growing and growing with locations and employees. And, and so then they just built their dream house and they bought land and it was literally like, um, they had the four wheelers. I mean, they just, everything was going well for them. And all of a sudden I had this crazy dream. I literally dreamt that God was moving them. And so I, I woke up and I was like, Peter, I had the craziest dream about this family. I dreamt that they sold everything and moved to Oklahoma to help this pastor plant a church. And, and I remember in the dream, I knew it was a God dream, like I knew it. And, and yet, in the dream we were sad, we were hugging them, but we knew it was God's will for them and we knew God was in it. Of course, Peter was like, Carolyn, like there is no way that family is gonna move. Like their financial assets alone are tied so locally into Marshfield, Wisconsin, like there's no way. And then their family roots are so deep, there is no way they're gonna move. And I was like, I know, I agree with you, but I just sensed it was a God dream. So get this, that 
that week, I was leading a small group, and I was one of the, I had a ninth grade group of girls that would meet. And so their daughter, Becky, was in ninth grade, and she was in my small group. And so she came to small group, and so I thought, I'm going to say something to Becky. And so I just said, hey, Becky, like, I had the craziest dream about your family. Now, I didn't say to Becky, thus saith the Lord God Almighty, the King of heaven and earth, this is what the Lord declares that I utter to you. Okay, that's weird. Okay, so like, I didn't even tell her it was a God dream. I actually kind of, my faith wasn't even fully, I was like, ha, 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 I had a crazy dream. You know, like, here it is. So I just shared it with her. Here's what's wild. While she was at youth group, at the small group, her parents were literally praying through and deciding about moving to Oklahoma to literally sell everything and help this pastor plant a church. So she gets picked up, she goes in the car, and she's like, mom and dad, guess what? Like, guess what, Carolyn, she had a crazy dream about our family. And you know what's so fun is that that dream, it helped them. It encouraged them. It brought confirmation that God would speak to their ninth grade daughter's small group leader. Are you hearing me? It's why we do small groups for all ages. It's why we serve on teams, because God wants to use you and he wants to speak to you, not to dictate to people's lives, but to encourage and strengthen them when they're praying. Again, what are the odds? Random couple, random thing, random city. Listen, the moral of the story is God still speaks through dreams, visions, prophetic confirmations. It's a process that we go through. And can you imagine, I just love, because listen, whenever a family, especially with teenagers, is moving, I always think it's not about the mom and dad and their calling. It's always about the kids. It's always about what is God doing in that family. And God cares enough to speak to this girl's ninth grade small group leader. Like, God cares about the details. Listen, my point is this. Whenever Peter and I have a big decision, we always make sure we type the three types of wisdom, his word, his church, his spirit. You know, I told you the story of how we planted substance and how we had those three prophetic confirmations, but this is the part you don't know. So we had those three prophetic words. Those three prophetic words to, that were like, just gave us permission to even consider if we should move to Minnesota. They didn't tell us to. Now it was like, oh, God, we prayed, we fasted, you spoke. Now we need to consider. So this is what we did. We went to one of our mentors. He was a spiritual father in our life. He had mentored us. He was incredible. And we submitted. And we literally said to him, you know us. You know this church. This is what we sense. Here's the three crazy prophetic words we got. We haven't talked to anyone else about this. What do you say? What do you see for our lives? And I'm telling you, we were ready for him to say, Absolutely not, no way, like you stay in Wisconsin, that will, like we were 100% ready, like we had no personal agenda. We literally were so submitted and we trusted him. And shockingly, you know what he said? He literally was like, well, actually, 10 months ago when I was visiting you guys, I was driving away from Marshfield and the Holy Spirit told me that you, would, you and Peter were not gonna be here long, that God was actually gonna be moving you to plant a church. And I'm like, oh my word, he became the fourth confirmation for us. Listen, if he would have told me 10 months earlier when the Lord spoke to him, I couldn't have handled it. I didn't need it to be a dictation of my future. I needed it to be a confirmation of what God was speaking. Are you hearing me today? And then I just want to honor my husband, Peter, because Peter had clearly heard from the Lord. He knew we were supposed to move, and yet he didn't force it on me. He didn't do the, hey, babe, I'm the head of the house. I'm the spiritual leader, so therefore you get into submission and you just, mm -mm. no, we are mutually submitted to one another. 
and he gave me patience and he gave me time to process. Now, I am stubborn and I hate change. So I also had to not lock my legs. Some of you, your legs are locked and you're not, like I have a healthy fear of the Lord that was like, okay, if my husband is sensing something, I can't just be stubborn and, and go off in a fight here. I need to submit myself to the Lord in prayer and fasting and seek his will. Are you hearing me? But he honored me and respected me in the process that together we sought the Lord. And together we went to his word. We went to mentors and we heard from his spirit. And so therefore we were led forth in peace. And then there wasn't any marital fighting of like, I can't believe you moved our family and now you've caused us this pain and this stress. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of marriages out there that are like that where you lead outside of the other and you're not mutually submitted to one another, leading in unison. It's a lot like three-part harmony. It's beautiful when everyone's in tune, but it's really awkward when it's not. And I'm telling you, you can hear it. Actually, some of you can't because you're maybe tone deaf. You know what I mean? So that's why you need a, a friend, a small group leader to be like, hey, love you. You're a little off key here. You know what I mean? Let me help you, right? That's what it means to be led forth in peace. And so today, with the rest of our time, I'm going to share a bunch of scriptures, and I want you to get out your notes. I want you to get out your Bibles, your notebooks, iPhone, whatever you do to write notes, because I'm going to give you tons of scriptures, tons of stories, and you're going to want to go read these passages and meditate on them throughout the rest of your day today. So we're going to start with 2 Corinthians 2, and I love this. Listen to what Paul writes. Now, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. Okay, what an intriguing scripture. The Lord opened a door. You'd think if the Lord opened a door, you're supposed to walk through it. But how many of you know, just because there's an open door, you're walking down the street, there's a, doesn't mean you walk through it. Like, usually that's a crime scene. Like, you know, if someone's front door is open, don't, like, you know, don't do that until the police show up. You know what I mean? Like, so we don't just walk through open doors just because the door is open, right? But why did Paul not have peace? He said, because I didn't find my brother Titus there. He knew. I've got to, and when I'm discerning God's will, I've got to have my buddy. I've got to have Titus. I need Titus on mission with me. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to walk through an open door in isolation. I need Titus here. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. Paul discerned he's supposed to go to Macedonia. We see that in scripture. Ironically, a few chapters later, he gets to Macedonia, which is where he discerned he was supposed to go. And it was rough. So check out 2 Corinthians 7, just a couple chapters later. Paul writes this. When we came into Macedonia, we had no rest. But we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And it goes on to say, and my joy was greater than ever. Paul knew he was supposed to be in Macedonia, but that did not make it easy. And I just think it's so interesting that peace and joy are a natural consequence of discerning God's will. But peace and joy is a gift from God that's independent of our circumstances. You can have not so good circumstances, but walk in peace and joy. In fact, so many of us, we actually discern God's will through if it's uncomfortable, if there's unrest, if we feel fear, if we feel harassed and conflict, we run. We say we're not in God's will. This passage messes with us in a beautiful way of like, wait, 
No, God, if I am in your will, this is where you've led me, I've got Titus here with me, then no matter what is happening around here, you are with me and my joy is complete. My joy was greater than ever. Again, I bring this up because God wants us to be led forth in peace. Just because there's an open door doesn't mean God is in it. Because God actually wants to give us strategy. So check out this passage about David that we're gonna read in 2 Samuel 5. I love this. Once more, the Philistines, who were the enemy at the time, they came up and they spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, and he, the Lord, answered, do not go straight up but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. I just love the detail here. And as soon as you hear the marching in the tops of the poplar trees, move quickly, because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as the Lord commanded him, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. Now, I love that phrase that we see here in verse 23, David inquired of the Lord. Again, it takes us back to this diagram of discernment. David inquired of the Lord. We've gotta take time to listen to God's word, his spirit, and godly mentors. Because you know what? The Bible is filled with people who did not inquire of the Lord, and it did not go well for them. So we're gonna look at one story in Joshua chapter nine. Joshua was taking over the promised land. He was given instructions. You are to wipe out everybody. Like it was pretty clear. And so there was a people group called the Gibeonites and they knew they were about to die and they're a little freaked out. So you know what they did? They created a strategy. They created some deception. They created a little delegation and they, they literally came up with some fake news and literally said, hey, we, they, they met with Joshua and they said, we come from far, far, far away, even though they were the next door neighbor. And they're like, we live so far away, but we've heard about you and we've heard about your God. And so we want a peace treaty with you. In fact, even look at our supply, look at our clothing. Our clothing's worn out. The walk was so long. Our shoes are worn out. The walk was so, and look at our food. It's stale, it's moldy, it's gross. Joshua 9:14 says, the Israelites sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live, and the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. Listen, God could have spared Joshua so much pain. I'm not even gonna tell you the consequences. You gotta read it. Go read Joshua 9. It's crazy the impact on Joshua's leadership, the morale, like every, it shook them. He could have avoided it had he inquired of the Lord. There's other cases we see King Saul in the Bible. He continually disobeyed the Lord in multiple ways. So guess what happened to him? God actually stopped speaking to him. In fact, check out 1 Samuel 28, 6. It says, he, Saul, inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or urim or prophets. Now, if you're wondering what the urim is, my husband Peter wrote in a brilliant blog that literally outlines the theology, the scriptures, all the Old Testament rituals of inquiring of the Lord. So check it out, peterhaas.org. But my point is this. Sometimes the reason God isn't speaking is because we haven't obeyed him the last three times. Like he told us to deal with our budget and we still haven't. Or he told us to deal with our offense and we haven't. And now offense and bitterness is like growing up and it's not just ruining us, it's ruining our children, it's ruining our grandchildren, it's ruining our whole family because we haven't actually dealt with what he told us to deal with. 
That's exactly what was happening with King Saul. He's getting mad at God for not speaking. Yet God was speaking. Saul just didn't want to deal with his issues. He had insecurity. He had jealousy. And he had demonic strongholds in his life. But you know who did deal with his issues? A young boy by the name of David. In fact, David, he almost always inquired of the Lord. And every time he did, he was blessed. And I'm just going to give you a hint. Read First and Second Samuel. There were times he did not inquire of the Lord, and it was devastating. There was always death. Somebody always died. There was always pain whenever he did not inquire of the Lord. So David gets some bad news, 1 Samuel 23, check this out. When David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and they're looting the threshing folds, floors, he inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go? Shall I? He didn't just assume he should go. He said, shall I go and attack these Philistines? The Lord answered him, go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But then David's men said to him, like, here in Judah, we're afraid. How much more if we go to tequila and we're fighting against the Philistine forces. Once again, David inquired of the Lord and the Lord answered him, go down to Kila, for I'm going to give the Philistines into your hand. I love this passage because I, it was clear. But even though it was clear, there was still fear. So what did David do? He double checked, like, let's just seek God one more time. Let's make sure for the sake of my soldiers, let's make sure we're hearing from the Lord. And it was like, yes, go. So then David does what the Lord says. He obeys and it causes King Saul to actually start pursuing David to kill David. So check this out. Two verses later, verse nine, when David learned that Saul was now plotting against him, he said to Abiathar the priest, bring the ephod to inquire of the Lord. Like, and again, if you don't know what an ephod is, read Peter's blog. It's brilliant. But the whole point of this is every twist and turn, all the drama, all the emotion, all, like, what is happening here? He inquired of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. A few chapters later, when David's hometown was raided, I mean, we're talking wife and kids kidnapped, village burned, all his soldiers' wives and kids were kidnapped. Like, the soldiers and men were so upset, they wanted to kill David. Like, I mean, we're talking massive anger. We're talking assassination attempt here. He could have freaked out. He could have been angry. He could have blamed God. He could have done a lot of things. But what did he do? 1 Samuel 38 says, And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, the Lord answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. And sure enough, read the story. He kicks some butt. It's a crazy, amazing story. It just keeps going. Second Samuel 2. In the course of time, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up to one of the towns of Judah? He asked. The Lord said, go up. A couple chapters later, 2 Samuel 5, 23. Once more, the Philistines came up and spread out over the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord. I think you get the point. Every time David inquired of the Lord, the Lord made it clear. And when David didn't inquire of the Lord, it did not go well. There's a lesson here for us. God wants to speak to us. He wants to give us strategy. He wants to give us timing. He wants to give us wisdom. He wants to protect us. He wants to bless us. He wants us to be led forth in peace. And so as one last example, I wanted to share a personal story that Peter and I have walked through in the last year. So over like a year ago, my husband and I were feeling the nudge to, to look for a new house, to sell our house, 
and we met with our mentors and our financial mentor said, yep, it's a wise decision in light of tax benefits and light of the neighborhood you live in. It's a good time to sell, the market's good. So looked at wisdom, sold our house, literally the first day it went on the market, right? Found our dream house, we negotiated a price, we're super excited, like, it's happening. Like, this is so exciting. Like, oh my gosh. And right after our offer was accepted on the house that we were going to buy, Peter gets a text from a friend, a pastor friend in Canada, and this, who didn't know anything about what we were doing, didn't know any of our decisions. He's just praying for Peter. And so he goes, hey, Peter, I woke up and I was praying for you. And I just had this sense that there's a decision that you and Carolyn are making, and I don't know if it's with the church or with your family or personal, but like, it appears simple, but it's actually gonna cost you way more than you think. It's actually gonna lock you up for years. And I actually sense that there's deception involved, like the Gibeonites in Joshua chapter nine. You know, they tricked Joshua into thinking they were far away, but they weren't, and Joshua failed to inquire of the Lord. Yet God says, ask for wisdom, 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 and he's gonna show you how to navigate this. Well, of course, there's no other decision Peter and I are making except for the house. Like, it was like, oh no, oh shoot, like, dang it, like, what are we supposed to do? You're, ah, you know, so we're like, did we miss? Lord, did we not inquire of you? Did we miss it? What did we miss? Let's, let's go back to the basics. Are we being deceived? So we went over all of our financial numbers again. And then we met with mentors and we just said, give us wisdom, give us wisdom. Are we being foolish? Like, what should we do? And then we thought, okay, let's quadruple the inspections because we hadn't done the inspection yet. So we're like, let's quadruple the inspections. Let's just get every inspection we can imagine. In fact, even as they were doing the inspection, they called us and they're like, hey, we found something, but you didn't pay for it. So we can't do this test till you add on. And so I was like, add it on, like just keep doing inspections, right? So we did all this extra, paid for every last test we could get. And sure enough, there were several things that were catastrophic about the house that would literally have cost us months and months of work distraction, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of pain. We actually found evidence of possible deception in the process too. It was a crazy story. And so thankfully we were able to get out of the contract. And we had peace. Like it was obvious, God, you are protecting us and you are leading us. But now our house is sold. Like we're gonna be homeless, you know? We're like, what are we supposed to do? I'll never forget one of our staff was like, well, you could sleep at Northtown if you wanted. We're like, ah, I don't know if I wanna sleep in my office. Oh my gosh, you know? Um, it was emotional. Like, have you ever been there? Like, you know God's protecting you. You know he's with you. You know he has provision. But man, is it a roller coaster in the process. Well, boom, a house came on the market that wasn't for sale before. It ended up being an incredible price, and like, the rest is history. We got it. God has blessed us in insane ways, and I am telling you, it's more than we could have asked or imagined. Like, and even, you know we've shared the journey that we've been on with our son Eden and, and epilepsy and his seizures. Like, I am telling you, this house has been a house of healing. It has been a house of peace that we didn't even know we needed, but God knew what we God knew what we were gonna go through. And he was like, oop, nope, you think here? Nope, it's not here, it's over here. I have something for you. I share this because God wants to lead us. He cares about the details of our life. He wants to speak to you and I today. He's got wisdom for you that will protect you, that will help you. He's got wisdom through his word. He's got wisdom through godly mentors. And he's got wisdom through prayer. Psalm 25, 14 says, the Lord confides in those who fear him. The Lord confides in those who fear him. 
You know, I remember years and years ago, the Lord whispered to me about a relationship that was in my life. And all the Lord whispered was, hey, Carolyn, if this friend, if this person leaves the church, you just need to know it's not because of you. And it's actually not because of substance. It's just something that's going on in their life. So just let them be. And, and I, I thought, oh, that's really odd. Okay, tucked it away, didn't even think about it. A year later, this person ended up leaving and they left in a way that was personally very hurtful to me, said some things to me that were very hurtful. And I am one of those persons that will psychoanalyze everything. And I will like, what could I have done? And what should we have done? And where? And instantly the Lord reminded me and said, Carolyn, no, 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 no. I warned you, I whispered to you. I confided in you a year ago. If this person leaves, it's not because of you. And it's not because of substance. I'm doing something in their life. Let them go. And I'm telling you, I was like, oh, that's right. Thanks for warning me. Like, thanks for prepping me. And it just didn't hurt. It didn't hurt. Like, because God confided in me. And I'm telling you not, I, I don't think suspiciously about people. I'm just telling you, it just made me go, God, what else do you want to whisper to me? What else do you want to protect to me? What pain do you want me to not have that is an unnecessary pain due to my personality and my wires and my filters and my triggers? Like, you could warn me. Do you know Jesus was able to go to the cross because the Father warned him? The Father literally said, you will be betrayed. And they're going to deny you. And yet, you know what? Jesus, instead of being offended when that happened, he whipped out a miracle. And I actually think it's because the Lord warned him. His Father in heaven warned him. I think God wants to protect us. He wants us to be on mission in the midst of pain. Not offended in pain, but on mission because the Lord confides in those who fear him. I know all of us here today, listen, we all have decisions before us. Decisions in our jobs, decisions in our relationships, in our businesses, in our families, in our education, in our friendships, in our finances. That's why we do small groups. That's why we serve on teams, is so that we can increase our relationship with God's word, with God's people, and with God's spirit. So would you just close your eyes right now? What decisions do you need to surrender and bring to the Lord today? I want you to ask him to speak to you. For some of you, as school is about to begin, don't assume what your kids should be involved in. I would love to say inquire of the Lord. For some of you, your work, your travel schedule, it's easy to go on default and just assume you're supposed to do every trip, everything you have to. There's striving involved. Don't assume. Inquire of the Lord. Even when it comes to small groups and teams to serve in, don't go on default. Don't assume. Inquire of the Lord. I really, really believe he has wisdom for you that will literally spare you. And I would just love to save you months and months of unnecessary pain. Some of you are here today and you're like, okay, Carolyn, I hear you. I need God in my life. Like, I want to inquire of the Lord. I want to ask him to speak to me, but I don't yet know him. I don't know him as my Lord. I don't know him as my Savior. I need to actually surrender my life to Christ. And if that's you, if you're here today, and whether you are new to church or whether you grew up in church, but you're like, I've been living my life. I've been doing my thing. I've been leaning on my own understanding. And if you want to reset in your relationship with God, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask that we all pray together and that we all surrender our lives to the Lord. So would you repeat after me? God, I believe in you. I ask you to save me. I ask you to forgive me. 
I ask you to speak to me. Help me find godly friends. I surrender my life to you. I let go of control. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, I love you guys. I'm just so excited to journey with you. I hope you hear my heart. God wants to pour out his spirit and speak to you. Let's do it together. Amen. Okay, right now we're going to call up our campus pastors and have them tell us what we're going to do next. I love you guys. We'll see you tonight.